Today we'll be talking about necromancy, necromancy, understanding necromancy. It is a term that is used multiple times in the scripture, but sometimes when we read the Bible, especially in the King James Version, we do not understand what the Bible means, what the Bible means by necromancy. Let me begin by defining what is necromancy. What is necromancy? Necromancy is the supposed practice of communicating with the dead, especially in order to predict the future. This is one definition. So communicating with the dead in order to predict the future. There was a show that uh, I used to see on TV, used to, used to call Long Lost Medium, Long Lost Island, where, something like that, where people actually go to this lady who is a medium, and she will tell them stuff about their dead relatives. Sometimes she will tell you, oh, your son says this, your father says this. And the, the shocking part about this is that the information that this medium or this lady gives to these people is accurate. Is accurate. But we're going to learn more about that accuracy in the course of this Bible study. The second definition says necromancy is the practice of magical sorcery involving communication with the dead by summoning their spirits as apparitions or visions for the purpose of divination, imparting the means to foretell future events and discovery of hidden knowledge. This, is, this explains a lot. Necromancy is the practice of magical sorcery involving communication with the dead by summoning their spirits as apparitions or visions for the purpose of divination, imparting the means to foretell future events and discovery of hidden knowledge. So the first thing we see here is that divination is a magical practice. It's a magical sorcery. It's a magical sorcery, which involves communicating with the dead. And how do that? They summon their spirits. They summon their spirits. Sometimes those spirits come through visions. It comes through divination. And then it, it now gives the possibility of knowing the future or hidden knowledge. Let's talk about what the Bible says about necromancy. What the Bible says about necromancy. The first scripture we read, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. It says, when someone tells you to consult medium and spiritists, who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? I want you to notice that any time the Bible uses the word mediums, mediums were people who consulted the dead on behalf of the living. For example, there is a place in the northwest of Cameroon where if you, someone in your family dies, you can go there to inquire. So the person who does that inquiry is called a medium. It's called a medium. Remember uh, in, in, in 1 Kings 13, when the, when the prophecy was given about Josiah, the child that was born to the house of David, how he was going to destroy, you know, the, the altar that was erected by Jeroboam. 
One of the things that Josiah did was that he destroyed all the mediums. He killed all the mediums in the land. When Saul started, Saul who became a backslider in the, at the end of his life, when Saul started, the first thing he did was that he destroyed all the mediums in the land of Israel. And that is why when he wanted to, to talk to God or for God to talk to him, he had to go consult a medium, the witch and endo. That story is very interesting. And he had to disguise himself. And the witch was afraid because he knew that Saul had destroyed all the mediums in the land. So mediums are people who consult the dead on behalf of the living. And so the Bible is saying, saying here in Isaiah 8, 19, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? The second scripture is Leviticus 19, 31. In the New Living Translation, it says, do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirit of the dead. I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. Do not defile yourselves. Do not defile yourselves by consulting mediums or going to those who, you know, consult the spirit of the dead. He says, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. So anytime I've said to you before, anytime you, you, you hear the saying, I am the Lord, your God, you know that is God putting a signature at the end of a statement. Know that that thing is sealed. This one is not any man thing. It is me who is talking. I am the Lord, your God. Do not consult the dead on behalf of the living. The next scripture is Leviticus 20, verse 6. In, in, the, in the New Living Translation, it says, I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums. By putting their trust in mediums. So you see, the first thing we see is that consulting the dead on behalf of the living, the Bible describes it, describes it as spiritual prostitution. It's like a woman who leaves her husband to go find pleasure in another man or vice versa. A spiritual prostitution. You leave the Lord to go get information from the devil. Spiritual prostitution. It says by putting their trust in medium, all those who consult the spirit of the dead, listen to this, I will cut them off from the community. I will cut them off from the community. So you see, God is not joking about this matter of Necromancy. He says, I will cut those who consult the dead off from the community. In Leviticus 20, verse 27, in the New Living Translation, it says, Men and women among you who act as mediums or who consult the spirit of the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. He says, men and women who consult the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense, what we call felony, class A felony. Punishable by death. This is not, you cannot get a sentence for this. You cannot be sentenced to life. You, the, the punishment for this is death. Now, if God 
prescribes death sentence for a, for something in the Bible. You know that thing is serious. And so we Christians in the New Testament must not take this lightly. We must not take this lightly. Though we are not still under the law where those punishments by death are still applicable, do not think that because it, those, those punishments are not applicable that God is pleased with us if we do the same thing. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10 and 11, it says, for example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let people practice fortune telling or sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call the spirits of the dead. There's a lot loaded in this text that the Lord is saying we should not practice fortune telling. When you go to some big cities, there are some people walk around. They, they want to look at your palm and tell you your future. And that is why even the, there is some elements of a horoscope that people follow that is demonic. They try to pre predict the future, predict what the day will be like. Fortune telling. It talks about us not going to psychics. It's further Christians. Some Christians still go to psychics. And they, 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 they will do things to predict or tell you things about, or you meet a man, your husband will be this, you have a child, your child will be this, and we're getting information from the devil to live a godly life. And the last scripture is First Chronicles 10, verse 13 to 14. It says, So Saul died, because he was unfaithful to the law. He failed to obey the Lord's command and even consulted a medium instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. So you see, among the many things that led to the death of Saul was necromancy. He abandoned the law he turned away from the Lord instead of seeking the Lord for guidance, unlike David. If you read the, the life of David in the scriptures, multiple times the Bible will say, and David inquired of the Lord, and David inquired of the Lord. Even when David went to war and came back and realized his family, his wife and children were all kidnapped, you would think it is normal for him to pursue after them to recover his family. The Bible says, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue? Very strange that he would inquire of the Lord to do something that is obvious. But that shows that David was a man who did nothing without inquiring of the Lord. But unlike Saul, Saul turned away from God and consulted mediums. He sought information about God from satanic sources. He wanted to know what God was saying through magical powers. And that was one of the things that led to his death. Like the Bible said, God killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesus. So we must see from these from this multiple verses. There are multiple verses that we can read. But when we see the way God frowns at necromancy, we should know that it is a serious sin. It is a serious offense. Or any 
through side of God to be engaged in necromancy. Now let's talk about the dangers of necromancy. The dangers of necromancy. Number one, it opens doors for familiar spirits. It opens doors for familiar spirits. Now let me just explain what is familiar spirit. A familiar spirit is a spirit that is, a, that is acquainted with the affairs of someone. Take for example, if a person is alive and that person has, let's say for example, a demon. That person was possessed with a demon or oppressed with a demon or a demon was connected to that person's life somehow and that person dies. That demon knows everything about that person. So that demon that can impersonate that person Sometimes through dreams. That is why sometimes somebody will say, my mother came to me in a dream. It's not your mother. When you, Bible says it's appointed for man once to die and after death, judgment. So when somebody dies, they either go to heaven or go to hell. There's no way you are in between. You're not hanging somewhere in the sky to come and give information in the night. But what happens is that the demon, the spirit that was familiar with that dead relative, now begins to impersonate that dead person in the dreams or in visions. And talking to people, oh, I saw my mother. My, my mother came to me in a dream and told me this is not your mother. The only intermediary that we have with the supernatural angels, God sent us angels as believers. Your mother or your late relative has no power to communicate divine information to you. So, oftentimes, those people we see in the dreams that we see, oh, it's my mother, my father, those are familiar spirits. And if you open the door, guess what? They appear more. They appear more and more and more and more. Number two danger of necromancy is that it angers the law. It angers the law. As you see, in Leviticus 20, verse 6, it says, I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or those who consult the spirits of the dead, I will cut them off from the community. If you look at the tone in which the Lord is speaking, it shows that it angers him when people consult the dead on behalf of the living. It angers the Lord. And if you are someone who is a believer, you don't want to displease your Lord. You, want, you don't want to get your God angry. You want to make sure that you are always pleasing him. You can see, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Not, not in whom I, I see, I find anger. Number three, necromancy is turning away from the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ told the disciples, he says, when I go, I will send you another comforter who will teach you, who will guide you, I will show you all things so if you want to know something, we ask the Holy Spirit. We don't consult the dead to know any information. If you want to know anything, ask the Lord. God will tell you. But when we do not want to seek the law to know, maybe because it involves fasting and, and, and certain, maybe certain duration of prayer, no, we'd rather go down the street and give some money to someone to tell us what is going on in our lives. So necromancy is turning from the Lord. There was a time a king went to inquire from another country 
And the Lord was angry. Angry. I said, why go down to seek, you know, help? Is there no God in Israel? Is there no God in Israel? It angers the Lord when, when Christians, when believers turn away from the Lord to seek information from satanic sources. It angers the Lord. Number four is deception from demons. When you turn to necromancy, it's like you have a radio station and you decide to turn to the channel of demons. You give them the opportunity to tell you the lies that you want to hear. Deception. A lot of people have been deceived and led astray because they opened the door for satanic spirits through necromancy. So demons get the opportunity to deceive children of God through necromancy. You think, for example, that if the Lord has called you to ministry and God has foreordained that through your ministry you will bring down the kingdom of darkness and that through you many nations will come to know the Lord and you go to a psyche to go inquire, you think they will likely tell you all what God has said. They may tell you something contrary because the work you are going to do is against their kingdom. They may tell you something contrary to derail you from the truth. So then you have people now who are deceived because they went to a channel. I've seen multiple times on, on TV where a family has gone to a man of God because through necromancy it was revealed that one person in the family is a witch. Or sometimes they, that a mother is a witch. And then now by that revelation, all the children have turned against their mother. They abandoned their mother for multiple years. Neglected the woman. It's after prayers coming to the house of the Lord through a true man of God who say your mother is not a witch. Whoever gave you that information was faulty. But why? Because they went to consult the dead to get information about the living. And then they were deceived. Number five is division and hatred among people. Just like I'm saying, you, somebody dies in the family and they go to consult the dead and they say, oh, it's your uncle that killed that person. And then now there is hatred between the family and the uncle and sometimes it extends to the uncle's children because if obviously your father has killed someone, then you guys would receive the same, you know, the same hatred and the same anger. So you have families where people don't get along because they consulted the dead. Or sometimes even in families, let's say they say we are going this weekend to go and, you know, greet, greet our grandfather in the grave. We have some wine we want to go and give our grandfather. And then you as a believer say, I will not go. Guess what? It stirs hatred in the family. It starts telling you are not, you are not supporting what we are doing as a family. You know, this is your church that you, you started going. It's making you different. And then it stirs hatred and tension between relatives because of necromancy. Necromancy. Number six, as you see, it defiles. It defiles your spirit. It defiles your spirit. Your spirit is polluted. Instead of trusting, like in Leviticus 19, it says, do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums. It defiles. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are walking in the Holy Spirit, and then suddenly you turn to necromancy. You defile yourself. It's like someone who takes pepper and put in tea 
it just defines itself. Now, let me give practical examples of necromancy because we say generally that necromancy is communicating with the dead. But what are practical examples of communicating with the dead? Because people say, well, I've never spoken to the dead. By these examples, you will know if you are a necromancer. So someone who practices necromancy is called a necromancer. A necromancer. And I can tell you that there are a lot of necromancers in the church. They are tongue-speaking necromancers. They are Holy Ghost-filled necromancers. They are ordained necromancers. They are church-going, faithful necromancers. Now let me give you example number one. Going to the grave and talking to the dead. Going to the grave and talking to the dead. Now many of us may not go to a voodoo priest, a juju priest, to go get information about a dead relative or what somebody is saying from the dead, from the realm of the dead. But what we do is that we go to the grave, whether of our father, mother, grandfather, or who died, and then we talk to them. You see a case where people gather and say, oh, uh, these are your children. We have come or we've come to greet you. You know, we, and then they, they begin to make requests. That's necromancy. Talking to the dead. And this is why sometimes in, in some places people bury their dead. Sometimes in homes. There is a tribe where when somebody dies, if the person had a big house, let's say a five-bedroom apartment, they will use one of the rooms to bury the person inside. The purpose of is that they should stay close to the dead so that they can talk to the dead. Number two, doing things for the dead to get the affection. Doing things for the dead to get the affection. Number one, let me give an example. Like Some of us not only go to the, the grave to talk to the dead, but they have, they have seen places where people carry food and take it to the grave. And they'll put the food there. And then they believe that the dead will eat it. Maybe some, some raccoons come overnight and eat the food. And then they believe, oh, the grand, grandpa accepted the food. Because in the morning they came, the food was not there. Or sometimes they put flowers. And they're giving that like they're giving love to the dead. Now, listen to me. You can have, you can clean the grave of your dead relative. For example, if I travel to the village now. And I go to where say, my mother was buried. And the place is bushy. I can clean it up. But I'm not cleaning that grave up because I'm trying to get any connection with my mother. I'm just cleaning that grave up because that's a memory of my mother. I can see that this is where my mother was buried. But when you are cleaning the grave, like some people will say, Grandpa is angry because we are not cleaning his grave. So you are not cleaning his grave because you're trying to appease his anger. That is a part of necromancy. You are doing things for the dead. You're offering things for the dead or organizing things for the dead. Sometimes you see people organize a celebration, like what we call death celebration. Somebody died five years ago, and now you take thousands of dollars to organize a death celebration. Why? Because we believe that if we don't do that death celebration, like some people say, Papa's spirit will not rest in peace. He will be angry with us. So in order to appease that anger, in order not to let not to let his anger burn against the family. They have said that people are not getting married because 
we have not done papa's death celebration so now you travel to your country to go do a death celebration that is necromancy doing things for the dead number three which is obvious is visiting psychics witch doctors warlocks you know fortune tellers diviners to inquire about the dead to inquire about the dead and you see your your, your mother has said the reason why your business is not growing is because when she died you did not dance during her funeral so because of that they have said you should buy two cows and blah 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 then take a, a take a champagne and go to a grave and ask for forgiveness and then you do it you are taking information consulting the dead to know what is wrong with you to get information about the living number four asking on information from someone who consulted the dead this is very important because this happened a lot to church people now sometimes as church people we do not go to the dead we know this is wrong we don't go to the native doctors we don't visit warlocks psychics and mediums because we know this is wrong but sometimes you are acting acting on that information for example a sister is fasting a brother is fasting and so what is the fasting for oh my aunt from the village my uncle called me and said they went to a certain native doctor and the native doctor said that my grandfather has said if i don't you know go to do this i'll die in three months so even though you didn't visit that medium to get information but you believe the information you receive the message that was given to you from the dead you are also a practicing necromancer even though you did not go you believe so you are you are you, you are endorsing the practice so you belong also to them that practice it or you hear something that was said from the realm of the dead and then you start acting upon it your auntie has said because she died didn't go to the village they have said that any day you go to the village you have an accident so from that day you are not going to the village anymore you are a necromancer because you are acting on information that was given from the dead and number five pouring libation and invoking the dead pouring libation and invoking the dead this happens a lot especially in most african cultures from where i come from for example when we people succeed in an exam people buy a house they buy a car they will open a bottle of champagne or sometimes they take a, 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 a cup of palm wine and they pour to the ground and they start calling the names of dead people for example if i was to pour libation now start calling my mother's name my father's name my grandfather's name i call some important dead relative and say oh i'm here today to say i just bought a house just to let you know that your son is doing well blah 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 and all that stuff that's necromancy and sometimes we as christians will be in such locations and after all that is done we clap they share the wine we drink you are a necromancer you are a christian necromancer you are part of those who are practicing it even though you are not you may not do it directly but the fact that you are there and you endorse the practice you are also part of it pouring libation and invoking the day one time one of my uh, one one of my relatives 
bought a vehicle. And then I saw how they were dedicating the vehicle by invoking the dead. They were calling them some dead, some, some of them that I had no idea. When you go invoke the dead on your car, and you take that same car to the church for dedication, whose spirit do you want to govern that car? Is it the spirit of your ancestors or the spirit of the law? That's what I said, necromancy defiles. It defiles, it pollutes you because now you've, you've defiled the temple of the law. Where God is supposed to dwell, you've defiled it. You've brought contrary spirits into the place where God is supposed to dwell. And then number six is shaving your head for the dead. Shaving your head for the dead. We know from Leviticus that it says do not cut your body or cut your hair for the dead. So anything you do as a means of observing or respecting or connecting with the dead is necromancy. This is strong because we, some of us have in cultures where when somebody dies, if you don't shave your head, it's like you've committed a war sin. But we don't do nothing for the dead. The Bible says in, in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, it says their love, their hatred, their envy is gone with them. It says they, nothing should be done under the sun for the dead. Nothing should be done under the sun for the dead. Nothing. Not some things. Nothing. So we should understand it because sometimes, let me just read this from Exodus chapter 9, verse 4. It says, Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. It says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, or even their name. And even their name is forgotten, forgotten. Listen to this. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Never again will they have a part in anything that is done under the sun. So all these things that we organize for the dead, Memorial services, death celebrations, those things are necromancies. Now, let me give you examples of how you can honor the memory of the dead. For example, if you want to do something to honor your father's memory, why don't you build an orphanage and name it after your grandfather? Name it after your mother. That's how you honor somebody's memory. Or go to your village, dig a borehole, and put it in memory of mama disease, papa disease. You do something good for, for your father's memory. Not having celebrations, people wearing sackcloth and crying all over again for someone who died seven years ago. And the worst case, which is really sad, is that some of the people we are memorizing, we are, we are doing memorial service for, are not even in heaven. What is good to mem memorize about someone who is not in God? Because we know if someone died without crying, they didn't go to heaven. So what memory are we celebrating for such a person? And since we do not know, the best way is to do things. We can do things, like I said, build a school, name it after your grandfather. That's the way to remember. Not organizing 
demonic and satanic activities in, in the name of someone who died a long time ago. Number seven, wearing sackcloth for an extended period for the dead. We, we, we know cultures where if your husband dies, for example, you have to wear sackcloth for two years. You can't wear any other cloth. As a Christian, you should, we should not be involved in something like that. We, you cannot subjugate your life to wear a particular dress for the dead. You are honoring the death. You are communicating with the death. You are afraid of the death. So it's a form of necromancy. And I tell you that some, in some cultures, if you dare take that black cloth off before the time, and then there's a ritual that is performed for you to remove that cloth and wear another cloth, a serious ritual, to tell you that it's not ordinary. If someone dies, during that period that the person is the funeral, you can wear a sackcloth. But once the barrier is done, is done, the person is gone, there is nothing you can do about it. They are no longer here. The Bible says their love, their hate, their jealousy is gone with them. Never again should anything be done under the sun for them. So how are you wearing sackcloth for two years for someone who died a long time ago? And number eight, carrying properties from the dead as a means of fortune. Carrying property from the dead as a means of fortune. For example, you're a Christian. You have an interview. You say, I'm going to wear this chain my, my, my mother gave me. It's fortune. So you believe that because you because that chain was given to you by your dead mother, there is some special powers on that chain. So you wear it when you're going for an interview. You don't seek the Lord for blessing. You don't seek the Holy Spirit to guide you in your interview. You wear the chain your mother gave you. Necromancy. You are consulting the dead through property. You are opening the door for your grandfather or your mother's spirit to have access in the operation of your life through, his, through their property. Or you have some people who have some, some place, some things that were given to them by their dead relatives and they hold those things in high esteem. Almost like it's something that is, is priceless. It's okay if there is something your mother gave you that you, you honor. This helps you remind it makes you remember your mother, your father, your dead relative. But to believe that there are special powers on those things, it's necromancy. Someone say, anytime I wear this dress, I will dream about my mother. My mother will tell me something. And you believe it. You are communicating with the dead. So if you understand that God is serious when he says that we should not engage in necromancy. God is serious. There are people that will never hear from God because their ears are open to the spirit of the dead. There are Christians in the church who are still going to mediums to consult, to find out what is happening. Something happened mysterious in the family. Instead of the family coming together, declaring a fasting to find out God, what is this? We go somewhere in one forest to go find out what is this. And then we get information from that place. And sometimes they will bring that information. I've had people have come to me saying, oh, uh, Pastor, pray. Because uh, this person came from the, my country and said this. I said, listen, I don't operate with information from the devil. If God has not spoken to me about it, I'm not praying about it. 
The devil cannot tell me what to pray for. The devil cannot give me guidance as a pastor. He should not give you guidance as a child of God. Our source of information is from God. Our intelligence is the Holy Spirit. Not any medium. So we must beware, brothers and sisters, that we do not open the door for the enemy. We do not give access to Satan by communicating with the dead, by opening the door for the dead. We should not do anything in communicating, in connecting with the dead. They are gone. They are not here. They cannot bless us. They cannot hurt us. They cannot do anything for us because they are no longer here. If you still believe that someone who is dead has power to hurt you, has power to bless you, you are a necromancer. Our lives are in the hands of God. Our trust is in God. We look onto the hills where comes our help. Our help comes from the Lord God Almighty, not from a dead person. So I want you to know today that if you are ever engaging in any activity involving the dead, connecting with the dead, you are practicing necromancy. And God is calling you, God is calling us to come out from every practice of necromancy in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We exalt your name. We adore you. We reverence El Shaddai because you are worthy. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Grant us grace, my Father, not to be those who practice necromancy. Everything we have done in ignorance or consciously in practicing necromancy, Lord, forgive us. Blood out our iniquity, cleanse us from all of righteousness. And from today, give us understanding to know those things that are leading us to necromancy and to avoid them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.